Hey there. Before we begin this episode, in case you hadn't heard, Based on a True Story has its own Alexa skill now. Just say, Alexa, enable Based on a True Story to enable it. And then you can say things like, Alexa, tell Based on a True Story to play the latest episode. And if you've got a Google Home, don't worry, you can do it there too. Just say, okay, Google, play the latest episode of the Based on a True Story podcast. Check it out and let me know what you think. And now, let's kick off the show. Portman has been nominated for an Oscar three times. The first was a nomination in the category of Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role. That was in 2005 for the movie Closer. Then came her first win as she was nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role for 2010's Black Swan. That's been her only win to date. But then in 2007, she was nominated for her performance in the previous year's biopic about the former First Lady Jackie Kennedy. Simply titled Jackie, the film was made for a pittance by Hollywood standards, $9 million. It ended up to make all of that back and then some, about $14 million at the box office in the United States alone. So let's take a moment to learn about the iconic inspiration for countless people around the world, Jacqueline Kennedy. I'm Dan Lefebvre, and this is Based on a True Story. It's time for two truths and a lie. If you're new to the show, here's how it works. I'm about to say three facts, and two of them are actually true, which means one of them is a lie. Are you ready? Okay, here they are. Number one, when JFK was assassinated in 1963, he became the first in his immediate family to die way too young that year. Number two, Jackie Kennedy tried to hide the fact that she smoked from the American public. Number three, Jackie's plaque on the Lincoln bedroom door isn't there today. Got him? Okay, now as you're listening to our story today, you'll find the two facts scattered somewhere throughout the episode, and then by a simple process of elimination, you'll know which one is a lie. And, of course, we'll do a recap at the end of the episode to see how well you did. Before we begin today's story, though, I just want to say another thank you to the amazing folks who have signed up to become a producer of the show over at Patreon to help me keep the lights on here at the show. Thank you so much. All right, let's compare history with the 2016 movie simply titled Jackie. The movie opens with a close-up shot of Natalie Portman's version of Jacqueline Kennedy, or Jackie, as everyone called her. We don't really know where she is until a couple moments later when some text shows us to let us know it's Hyenas Port, Massachusetts, in the year 1963. The camera cuts to Jackie in a house when a taxi pulls up. A man gets out, walks up to the front door, and knocks. When Jackie answers, the man says, so sorry for your loss. We don't hear the man's name here. In fact, we don't really ever hear his name. He's played by Billy Crudup in the movie, and the character doesn't have a name. He's simply billed in the credits as the journalist. Well, the specifics of this scene were changed as much as any small details of the film are. What the movie is depicting here actually happened. 
The real person that Billy Crudup's character is based on was a reporter named Theodore H. White. At the time of the movie here, 1963, Theodore was a well-known journalist. He'd earned a name for himself in China where he worked in Tongxing, which was the capital of the Republic of China during World War II. After the war, he wrote a book called The Mountain Road about his wartime experiences. That book, which was a novel and not a straight-up factual account, was one of many books that made its way into a movie that's based on a true story. The movie was released in 1960 and starred Jimmy Stewart and Lisa Liu as it covered the same topic as the book, a group of American soldiers forced to retreat across China as the Japanese military machine advanced. As if that weren't enough, Theodore went on to win a coveted Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction for writing a book called The Making of the President, 1960, that covered the 1960 election. That was the one that made John F. Kennedy the President of the United States. And there's plenty more accolades for Theodore H. White, but all of that is to give a little more background on the character we see Billy Crudup playing. The movie doesn't ever really explain why he's here. Why him? Why not another journalist? Why not a team of journalists? Well, thanks to Theodore's illustrious career, he was the one that Jackie Kennedy invited to her home after her husband's murder for an exclusive interview. The movie only mentions the year 1963, but Theodore's interview with Jackie happened only about a week after John F. Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963. Back in the movie, as Jackie and the journalist, tell you what, how about since we know the real journalist's name was Theodore, let's just call him Theodore, even though the movie doesn't. <laughs> anyway, back in the movie, Jackie and Theodore are beginning their discussion when we see Natalie Portman's version of Jackie light up a cigarette. Well, this might not seem like a big deal for many people in the 1960s to be smoking. The truth is that Jackie Kennedy did smoke, and she didn't really want anyone to know about it. Oh, sure, her close family and friends knew that Jackie was a heavy smoker. So when I say Jackie didn't want people to know about it, what I mean is that she didn't want to be photographed smoking. As we all know, image is a huge factor for politicians. The Kennedys were no different. As the conversation continues between Natalie Portman's version of Jackie and Billy Crudup's character in the movie, we hear a mention of a tour of the White House that Jackie did for CBS. That's real. When it aired on February 14, 1962, Valentine's Day, it made history as the first time the American public got a look inside the White House on TV. Popping back into the movie, after hearing about the tour, the movie cuts to some black and white footage. The text on screen says a tour of the White House 1961, implying that what we're watching in the movie is the actual footage from the tour. Except a little bit into the black and white footage, we can see Natalie Portman's version of Jackie in some of the close-up shots. So obviously those shots with Natalie Portman weren't the original footage, but that doesn't mean it's all new footage. In fact, a lot of the footage they actually used in the movie was from the original tour of the White House special, and the shots that have Natalie Portman in them are also meticulously recreated from real shots in the actual footage. For example, remember that scene where Natalie's version of Jackie is standing by a big piano, talking about how it was designed by Franklin Roosevelt with the Eagle supports? Well, that's exactly what the real Jackie Kennedy said in the real tour. Except, of course, in the footage, it's the real Jackie Kennedy. So the filmmakers had to swap out those close-up shots with Natalie Portman so it wouldn't be quite as jarring for us as the movie watchers to have the main character change from the real footage to the movie's footage. 
I'll make sure to include a link to the real tour in the show notes for this episode over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. I'd really encourage you to check it out. So you can not only see how well the movie did recreating this tour, but how you can see just how close Natalie Portman was in her portrayal of Jackie Kennedy. It's spot on. No wonder she was nominated for an Oscar for her role. I'm sure it's no surprise that I believe we can learn from history. And that includes my own personal history, too. You know how your phone will remind you of photos that you took on this day a few years ago? Well, I just had one pop up and it reminded me of a time a few years ago when my daughter and I were heading out on a four hour drive to a state park. And it couldn't have been more like 10 minutes into the drive when my check engine light turned on and my car just started shaking really, really bad. Needless to say, we ended up spending the rest of the day at the mechanic instead of the park. Not only was that day ruined, but all of a sudden, I had a huge unexpected bill to figure out how to pay. And I really wish I had known about today's sponsor then, because that would have relieved a lot of stress. Earn In helps alleviate financial anxiety by giving you access to your pay as you work instead of waiting for the next paycheck. You can get up to $100 a day or up to $750 per pay period. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in True Story under podcast when you sign up, and it'll really help the show. True Story under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Thanks, Earn In. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Going back to the movie, we're back to the conversation between Jackie and Theodore. Except of being outside, we're inside now. The conversation turns to the most recent events, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. In the movie, Jackie gives a very detailed and descriptive account of what happened. The shock. The blood. So much blood. After giving this account, Jackie tells Theodore there's no way she's going to let him publish all of that. And that's true. Well, to be honest, I couldn't find anything that indicated the real Jackie Kennedy went into that much detail. But it is true that even if she did, Theodore H. White never published a detailed account like that as part of his story. Although the movie doesn't mention it, the whole purpose for the interview we see was for an article that was published in the December 6th, 1963 edition of Life magazine. While that original article is copyrighted, so I can't share it here, it is available for you to read for free online, so I'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes for this episode over at basedontruestorypodcast.com. But for our story today, even though we don't really know the true extent of the details that Jackie went into with Theodore, we do know that she was very picky about what was published. Remember when she didn't want people to know that she smoked because of the image? 
Well, you can imagine how she felt about her involvement in one of the major events in American history, not to mention the fact that it was the sudden death of her husband. Oh, and as a little side note, that pink suit that we see Natalie Portman's version of Jackie Kennedy wearing in the movie on that fateful day, that's very accurate. That pink wool Chanel suit has forever cemented itself into history due to the events of that day. Heading back to the movie's timeline, after JFK's death, we see Jackie coming out of the conference room to see John Carroll Lynch's version of Lyndon B. Johnson sworn in as the new president of the United States while he's on Air Force One. That's true. In fact, it happened very much like what we see in the movie. Although the movie doesn't mention how much time has passed, it was exactly two hours and eight minutes after John F. Kennedy was assassinated and exactly 99 minutes after he was pronounced dead that Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson was sworn in while on board Air Force One, making him President Lyndon B. Johnson, or LBJ, as we now often refer to him. Immediately after swearing in, the new president said, Now let's get airbound. And they were headed back to Washington, D.C. There's actually a photograph of LBJ getting sworn in and standing next to him is Jackie Kennedy wearing her pink suit. Well, the photo is black and white, but she's clearly wearing the same pink suit from other color photos before the assassination. I can't even begin to imagine the thoughts and emotions running through Jackie's head as she stood there beside the new president being sworn in. I'll make sure to add a link to that photo over on the show's website. Oh, and in the movie, we see LBJ getting sworn in by a woman. Interestingly, if you look at the credits in the film at the end, you can see that woman is played by Vivian Verns, and her character name is Judge Hewis. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. That's close, but the real person's name was U.S. District Judge Sarah T. Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. I know that's nitpicky because the movie never really even says her name, which really only makes me wonder why they don't just call her by her real name in the credits. But then again, the actress's name playing Judge Hughes is really Vivian Verns, and the credit call her Vivian Verms. That's what the her real name is, is Verns, V-E-R-N-E-S, and the credits have her V-E-R-M-E-S. So... Maybe it's just a misspelling. One of the next major plot points in the movie is when Jackie decides to put together a funeral procession for her husband. She draws on the inspiration from another U.S. president who was assassinated during his time in office, Abraham Lincoln. Then, soon after discussing the procession with an aide, Jackie meets her children for the first time. She has to tell little Caroline that Daddy won't be coming home. He has to go see baby Patrick in heaven, so he won't be lonely. Such a sad scene, and sadly, a true one. Let's start with the procession. It is true that Abraham Lincoln had a funeral procession. That was on April 19, 1865, just four days after he was assassinated. And although the movie doesn't really go into many details about it, the procession for Lincoln that made its way down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol Rotunda was just one part of a three-week mourning period that saw Lincoln's body go from Washington, D.C. to where he would be laid to rest in his hometown of Springfield, Illinois. As for Jackie having to tell her daughter, Caroline, about her father's passing, well, 
I don't know if it happened exactly like we see in the movie, but it is true that John and Jackie Kennedy had a daughter named Caroline. So it stands to reason that Jackie would have to discuss what no parent ever wants to have to talk about with their child. Oh, and the mention of baby Patrick is true, too. What the movie doesn't mention, though, is the timeline of when it happened. You see, it was on August 7th, 1963, when the president and the first lady Kennedy had their fourth child. Then, on August 9th, 1963, little Patrick died. He was alive for 39 hours. Remember when we learned about how Jackie Kennedy was a smoker earlier? Some historians have debated that perhaps Jackie smoked during her pregnancy and that contributed to Patrick's death. At the time, there was no way that they could have known that the president would be joining Patrick just 106 days later. As a little side note, their first child, Arabella, was stillborn. Then Caroline and John Jr. and finally Patrick. So of the four children that John F. Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy had, only two survived childhood. And sadly, John Jr. passed away in an airplane crash in 1999. So Caroline is the only surviving member of John and Jackie Kennedy's immediate family as of this recording. Back in the movie, we see a brief bit of TV footage while we're in the White House that indicates Lee Harvey Oswald has been killed. The movie doesn't really focus too much on this side of the story, but as I'm sure you're well aware, that's true. Two days after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald was in police custody when a Dallas-area nightclub owner named Jack Ruby shot Oswald on live TV. It shocked the nation and only helped fan the fires of Oswald's involvement. Did Lee Harvey Oswald really kill President Kennedy? Or was he just the scapegoat for some larger conspiracy, only to be silenced himself just a couple days later? Well, that's a story for another day. For our story today, the next major plot point in the film comes when Natalie Portman's version of Jackie mentions the Broadway musical Camelot. She mentioned it to Billy Crudup's version of the journalist, or Theodore, even quoting a line from it for a moment. Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shining moment that was known as Camelot. That's true. The Broadway musical Camelot started in 1960 and was written by Alan J. Lerner, who based it on a book called The Once and Future King by T.H. White. That's Terence Hanbury White, not to be confused with Theodore H. White in today's story. You can learn more about the real King Arthur in our episode covering that movie just a few weeks ago. The playwright for Camelot, Alan Lerner, was a roommate of John F. Kennedy's while the two were students at Harvard. And the original cast recording of the musical became one of Kennedy's favorite things to listen to as he drifted off to sleep. At least, that's according to what Jackie told Theodore in the interview. As the real Jackie Kennedy paraphrased the Broadway musical for the Life article, There'll be great presidents again, but there will never be another Camelot. Just like the movie shows, this was something that no one really knew about the president until after Jackie told Theodore in the interview after his assassination. Despite this, the whole Camelot-Kennedy link was something that a lot of historians have really debated over the years. Many people close to JFK during his presidency claim they never heard the president talk about the Broadway musical Camelot at all. Even Theodore H. White, the journalist whose article was largely responsible for the connection, would later admit that his mention of Camelot in the article wasn't exactly true, but we'll come back to that in a moment. At the very end of the movie, 
Theodore calls his editor to dictate the interview for publication. Then he leaves, bidding Jackie a good night. After this, we see Jackie talking to a priest, explaining what happened in the interview and how maybe now the world will believe in Camelot. The camera then cuts to a shot of a door in the White House. As the door closes, we see a plaque which says, quote, In this room lived John Fitzgerald Kennedy and his wife, Jacqueline, during the two years, ten months, and two days he was President of the United States, end quote. That's all true. Well, mostly. I couldn't find anything that proved the priest Jackie talked to at the end there was a real person. In the movie, he's played by John Hart, and the character is simply called the priest, sort of like the journalist, although, as we learned, that was actually a real person. So was the priest real too? Maybe, but he didn't write a now-famous article afterwards, so if he was real, he didn't really show up in any of my research. Speaking of which, it is true that Theodore H. White dictated the interview to his editors at Life. Remember, there was no internet back then, and this was an exclusive interview at the request of Jackie Kennedy, surely something that warranted getting sent back to the editors at the home office as quickly as possible. That means not sending it in the mail or even waiting for Theodore to get on a plane and fly back. That brings us to the plaque on the door. Was that real? It was. Before she left the White House for the last time, Jackie Kennedy had that plaque put on the door of the Lincoln bedroom. You'll notice, I said, it was. If you were to tour the White House today, you wouldn't find that plaque. That's because Pat Nixon, the first lady for President Richard Nixon, had the plaque removed when they moved into the White House in 1969. So, just a moment ago, I mentioned that Theodore H. White later admitted that his mention of Camelot from the Life article wasn't true. By that, I'm referring to something that he wrote in the book called In Search of History, a Personal Adventure that Theodore published in 1978. In that book, Theodore explained simply that, quote, the magic Camelot of John F. Kennedy never existed, end quote. It seemed the primary reason he wrote that for the Life article was as a favor to a grieving widow. Makes sense. But that doesn't change the fact that after Theodore's article came out in Life magazine, Camelot was, and forevermore will be, linked to Kennedy's presidency. This episode of Based on a True Story was written and produced by me, Dan Lefebvre. The topic of JFK's assassination and Jackie Kennedy's handling of the sudden death of her husband is something that could be an entire podcast series in and of itself. There's no way we could cover it all in a single episode. So I want to point you to some authors and historians who have spent years and years researching this stuff so much more than I could do for a single weekly podcast episode. I'd recommend starting with reading Theodore H. White's article in Life magazine itself. Another great book is called Jacqueline Kennedy, Historic Conversations on Life with John F. Kennedy by, well, Jacqueline Kennedy. Really, that book is a collection of interviews by Arthur M. Schlesinger that he had in 1964 with Jackie. I'll add a link to both of those and plenty more resources for you to continue learning about Jackie Kennedy in the show notes for this episode at basedontruestorypodcast.com. Okay. Now it's time for the answer to our two truths and a lie game from the beginning of the episode. As a refresher, here are the two truths and one lie. Number one, when JFK was assassinated in 1963, he became the first in his immediate family to die way too young that year. 
Number two, Jackie Kennedy tried to hide the fact that she smoked from the American public. Number three, Jackie's plaque on the Lincoln bedroom door is not there today. All right, now it's time for you to guess which one is a lie. As we learned right at the end, even though Jackie Kennedy's plaque on the Lincoln bedroom door was indeed real, it's not there anymore. So that means the lie is number one. Sadly, John F. Kennedy was not the only Kennedy to die in 1963. Earlier in the year, baby Patrick died just a couple days after being born. And that brings us to an end of our story today, but it doesn't have to be the end of your learning about the true story of Jackie Kennedy. Don't forget, you can find links to plenty of books, resources, and more over at the show's home on the web, based on a true story podcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll chat with you again really soon.